the first thing is a journey. It's never something that changes overnight. And, and we're here to engage, not for the short term, for the long term, right? Happiness, success, freedom, energy, fun, balance, strength, peace. It all stems from our physical and emotional well-being. You're in the right place for a healthy discussion with experts to show you the way. This is Be Well, a podcast from Crossover Health. Not sick is not enough. Being well is a movement to get the most we want out of life. In each of our episodes, we pick a health or lifestyle topic, bring in one of our doctors from the front lines, and have a real conversation. Be well, do good, enjoy life. What's up, everyone? This is Dan Lord, Regional Medical Director for Crossover Health. You're in the right place for a healthy discussion. Just a reminder, the following presentation is for informational purposes only and is not intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Please do not apply any of this info without first speaking with your doctor. I'm very excited to be here today. We're, we're kicking off a special four-part series on weight management. So in the next few episodes, we'll talk to four clinical experts who approach weight management from a different perspective. You'll hear from a doctor, a psychologist, a health coach, and a fitness coach about how they help our members achieve their weight goals. For crossover members, all four of these medical experts work together on the same care team. If you're not a crossover member, this will still be a great way for you to learn what type of individual support may work best for you. Today, I have a very special guest, a crossover physician, Dr. Bob Pampin himself. His specialty is family medicine and has uh, over time shifted his focus to prevention. Over his nearly 30-year career, he has seen a full range of preventable diseases related to the American lifestyle and the standard American diet, as well as the burden this puts on an individual's well-being and quality of life, especially as we age, uh, this stuff needs to be addressed. He came to realize that most of the illness he saw related to poor diet, stress, and secondary behavior patterns. In particular, the obesity epidemic has been he's been exploring with a major impact on public health. In 2018, he became board certified in bariatric weight loss medicine by the American Board of Obesity Medicine. You know, with two out of three of adults in the U.S. being either overweight or, or obese, um, Bob knows there's much work to be done, and that's why we brought him in today. Dr. Bob, it's wonderful to have you here. Welcome. Hey, thank you, guys. Thanks, Dan. Uh, yeah, it's exciting to be here because uh, it's certainly a, a necessary topic that we uh, can't can't avoid. It's an epidemic, you know, as, as you know, your bio points out. You're passionate about it, so you know, maybe maybe tell us tell us why why are you so passionate about this subject in particular, um, and and what has kind of drawn you to become an expert? Sure, Dan. Um, you know, I, I've been at this. Uh, gosh, almost 30 years now. And, and I came out in medicine uh, when, you know, the diabetes rates were, were so high, type 2 diabetes in particular. We, we saw lots of morbidity, mortality associated with that. And we really didn't have a, a clue as to why. And as time went on, we, we saw that the obesity epidemic has uh, exploded upon our whole society. According to the uh, National Center's for uh, health statistics, we're, we're currently sitting at around 42% of adults uh, over the age of 20 have a, um, obesity with a BMI over 30, and this is 19.3% of children aged uh, 
two to 19 years of age uh, meet the criteria for obesity. So it's common, it's widespread, it affects every part of our community, um, every demographic, demographic of our community, right? Um, you can't really escape this as a, a problem for all of us. And wow, does it create risk factors, right? First of all, metabolic syndrome, which is a characteristic of uh, folks that have uh, increased body weight, increased uh, waist circumference, which correlates with what we call visceral fat, which has implications in our overall uh, health and metabolism, especially with lipids, high blood pressure, and, and cardiac disease. And, and obesity now is associated with uh, many different types of cancer. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, working with you, you always really champion, you know, this early intervention. Let's not wait until your later years. Let's, let's start looking at this stuff and doing preventative work uh, as soon as possible. I'd love for you to speak on that and like, why is that such a big deal and, and what have you seen? I've been managing this for almost, you know, all across my 30 year career, but now the numbers are just, you know, piling up, not only in our country, but as we export this, uh, what we call the sad diet, standard American diet. <laughs> the sad diet, that's funny. That it is, but you know, we, we funny, know but how, not funny. one of the things is the, since the uh, end of World War II, we've seen an explosion of the industrialization of our food uh, producing. I think over a lifetime, young people in particular, between the ages of 20 and 40, and to me, I, I, that is such a critical time for people to understand their lifestyle habits, the family history, what their risks would be. And I think um, that that's where we really need to start. You know, I'm, I'm taking this uh, certificate program of Tufts University in, in nutrition. It's it's really a wonderful program. And in there, one chapter that caught my eye is, is how uh, we as adults age, right? Once our, our growth ends in adolescence, 20 to 30 is like a really quiet time for us. We're really kind of our maximal performance. We're doing really well. But after 30, uh, things start to change and our basal metabolic rate drops, meaning the amount of energy it takes to maintain ourselves over a 24 hour period. Bob, are you saying after 30, we're not invincible anymore? <laughs> That's correct. Hey, you know, my son just turned 26 and 25 is like the period of time in your life where you're never going to be stronger, have more stamina, yeah. you know, be healthier. And I said, dude, it's all downhill from here. You know, <laughs> But yes, yeah, it's a funny thing. And, and so there's this concept of um, what we want to do is kind of, you know, there's usual aging and then what we call successful aging, right? So the usual process is, is what's going on. And the more environmental factors that influence that, the faster that process goes. And successful aging is where we delay that process by a really healthy lifestyle, knowing risk, engaging in our, you know, our overall health and nutrition yeah. over the course of those years. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so our members are coming in to see you as a specialist in this space. What are the key questions that you're hearing nowadays? What are the, I mean, what are the biggest kind of things that you're hearing come from patients that kind of stand out? Sure. And I think, you know, there's a stigma attached to uh, weights in, in our, in our country and it's um, slowly changing, which is, which is fortunate. And what I'm hearing from folks, I typically end any of my sessions with a simple question. Um, hey, what would you like to do in the next year? You know, we've gotten your labs, everything else. What would your goals be? And I can tell you almost invariably uh, people are concerned with weight and the risks that it might cause. Right. right. So this is not a weight center. So we want to engage people in understanding what kind of health risks, you know, the lifestyle that leads to weight concerns uh, you know, presents to somebody. Right. It's more than just weight, right? There's a whole 
subset of factors and, and kind of holistic approaches that, you know, it's really important and important to you, Bob, in the way that you manage your patients. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because I think you're right. I think there, there's a culture of just looking at weight, although it's important and, you know, we want to help people lose weight. There's a bigger picture out there. Correct. You know, and, and um, I think, Dan, you and I touched on, uh, you know, BMI as being an imperfect tool in our pre-discussion. And I completely agree. Um, however, it's such an easily attainable number, height and weight, when you're in a brick and mortar, you yeah. know, standard practice or even with us, uh, you know, we can get a pretty good read uh, on someone. But I always like to add in other data. We don't have the advantage of having a, a body composition analyzer, right? That's not practical. But, you know, if we add waist circumference into BMI, which is the uh, around your mid-abdomen from the belly button all the way around, if we can get that number, that really points to the BMI being a, a more realistic, right. problematic number. Right. You know? And when we do BMI on, on millions of people, you know, as anything statistically you're more likely to have a read on someone's, you know, weight concerns and their health uh, than miss it. You know. So, how do you help members that come to you and they're they're interested in becoming healthier? Um, of course, you've you're, you're educating them around the holistic point of view. But how do you help them? What are the steps that you take? Yeah. So first is is permission to sort of ask about this and that we establish it's important to them. First, we always want to find a motivating factor, right? This is kind of the concept behind motivational interviewing. So what I do is I will do a full drill down on on their cardiac risk, including, uh, you know, their lipid panel, basic blood chemistries, blood sugar, insulin level. These are the important factors that tell me where that patient is at, say, 28 years of age right. in terms of their risk. Right. And what to do in managing this is highly variable. There's no two people that are exactly alike. Yep. I've never seen that in all the years of doing this. So it can range from simple lifestyle change and, and behavior modification and increasing their activity slowly over time. We can use, uh, you know, medication. Uh, and that's an important aspect of it. And there's, again, stigma attached to medication utilization and a fear amongst physicians and patients alike. On, on what these meds uh, will do or can do. They have a physiologic basis. They work directly on certain parts of the central nervous system to help suppress appetite and help right. persons meet their goal. Mm -hmm. So that's actually a good point to kind of drill down on a little bit. How do you go through the process with a patient to recommend medication versus more conservative, just, hey, diet, lifestyle, let's work with a health coach, when when does a when do you recommend more than that? When when do mm -hmm. uh, when does a medical intervention kind of uh, play in for you? Sure, that's the that's the gift of what we have here at Crossover. My prior practice, I had about two hundred fifty enrollees in my program, and I was it. I had to do everything. So so we always want to find out what they've done, what's worked in the past, what the family structure is like, how do they eat their meals together, separate? Is there a lot of thought process? So the first thing we need to do is look at the behaviors and what the approach is to gathering their nutrition would be. And I even go back as far as their childhood. And, and there's epigenetic data to say that we should even go back to uh, fetal development. Uh, it, things start there because there's genes that are turned on and off as we move forward. Right. And, and it really begins at that point. So I really kind of look at the person and meet them where they're at 
And, and then we decide what to do. We want to outline those things and look at some problem areas. You know, we want to have balanced nutrition. We want to have, you know, increased activity. And then the medical management can include medications. We have uh, any number of things that work uh, quite well to suppress appetite while they go through the stages of trying to learn a new lifestyle. That's kind of, right. kind of the idea behind the medication. Right. So there's also different types of medication as well as surgery, Right. Um, could you Correct. could you maybe speak to that? Like, what are the different options from a medication standpoint, and then what sure. what are the surgical uh, options, and when would you when would you choose between those? Correct. So a lot of that is uh, body mass index uh, driven. So you know, surgical patients uh, typically have very elevated BMI, say fifty and over or forty and over. Um, we always give the patient every opportunity to manage medically and lifestyle change. What are, um, what are the, the side effects of, of these drugs? And then what are the success rates? What would you say? Mm-hmm. So no drug by itself is going to be successful, right? Um, so that's that's a sort of a fallacy. We, sure. we don't, nothing, there's no pill that's the answer for everything. But success rates in my practice were very high because uh, I was a lot of hands-on, a lot of uh, point contacts. But side effects, uh, basically, you can get some insomnia, feeling jittery at times in the beginning, uh, but those tend to fade off over time. In a, in a week or two, tend to get better, and we can have as many touch points as they need. What I like about our virtual model is that it's sort of asynchronous. If they have a question, they can pop it on the platform, and I can answer it. Yep. That, no, that's super convenient. So, okay, those are those are medications. How about surgeries? When when would a surgery be indicated over or including medication? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that is to me a, a down the road discussion. Sure. So, um, for instance, I had a woman whose life, pretty much in all her adult life, her BMI sat around forty two, and uh, with a lot of work and a lot of effort, uh, we looked at her lifestyle. She, she ended up down to twenty eight BMI, and she she amazed wow. me. Uh, she would holler at me because she had to keep getting more, you know, workout clothes because everything didn't fit anymore. And that was a good thing. She's still doing amazingly well. And now we're talking, um, geez, that's like four or five years ago. So I'm happy. So you really want to make lifelong changes. So right. bariatric surgery, you'll begin the discussion with people over the BMI of 40. And gastric sleeve surgery pretty much is the standard right now. It's where a portion of the stomach is removed and some of the uh, parietal cells, different cells that are involved in some of the changes associated with our, our appetite uh, are shifted, but also the stomach now is physically smaller right. and that limits the amount one can consume in any one meal. If the BMI is over 50 or certainly increasing, uh, a Roux and Y procedure is a full gastric bypass. And that brings with it a lot of metabolic concerns and monitoring and supervision. So I, I don't see I don't, I don't, I've never really had to send a patient on for bariatric surgery, if that means anything. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I just, I like to fight. Certainly there is, there is a, a definite need and the higher the BMI goes, the, the more likely you'll have this discussion. But we give every patient yeah. every opportunity or every member to, to make this uh, uh, on their own over time. That's great. Th- thank you, Bob. Yeah. I, I really appreciate your insights there. Uh, it's, it's really great. So actually, I'd love to hear, you know, some another success story that comes to mind for you. I know you've had a few really great cases. Yeah, I had a gentleman who was going through some major life changes. His weight was increasing. He was going through a divorce. He had all kinds of 
problems with his kids and he was really trying to stay grounded and his original weight was at like 309 you know with a bmi at 43 and, and we spoke about you know what the options might be and i did a, a full assessment on his cardiovascular risk at that point and explained to him that you know i i am involved with bariatrics that we have a team approach here with you know behavioral health and our health coaching and our phys med aspects that all can help meet his his needs so he was quite happy and his original numbers like i said the weight was 309 his blood pressure was high uh, he had had both parents had troubles with diabetes and one actually had had an mi uh, and that wasn't great he was very concerned about that his total cholesterol then was 230. Uh, his ldl which is the bad cholesterol was at 160. his hdl was 46. that's the good cholesterol so that wasn't bad anything over 40 is kind of a win for somebody with cardiac risk and his hemoglobin A1C, which is our judge for if somebody's uh, diabetic or monitoring their diabetes, was 6.3. And interestingly, I always throw this in. Uh, so fasting insulin levels, I draw this on all my people that are going to engage in, in uh, you know, dedicated weight loss. And his was 40, which is way, way above normal. And this means his, his pancreas is, is working overtime to keep clearing out right. these, these sugar spikes he was going through. Um, well, lo and behold, he, he really was, was a dedicated guy. We got him in with uh, Camilla Lee, uh, who we, she and I started uh, together, and she was our health coach. And uh, he ended up with some uh, one of our behavioralists seeing him as well to kind of deal with all the stress eating and the things that went on in his life. Uh, he sat at 217 pounds, a BMI down to 30. Uh, his blood pressure now completely normal. Total cholesterol, now I had put him on a statin because he had very high cardiac risk went from uh, 230 down to 120. His LDL was now down at 59 and his HDL rose to 49. Uh, and his diabetes risk went to, uh, almost normal, 5.5 with his A1C. And the fasting insulin level dropped from 40 down to 19, wow. which is normal, which blew me away. Now, uh, we have something we do, which is called the atherosclerotic cardiac uh, risk score, ASCVD risk score means in the next 10 year period after the age of 40, we can calculate this based on these numbers. And originally anything over 7.5, we're really concerned about his heart disease risk. He came in at 11.7 and that doesn't even include the stress he was under and everything else. Right. So after the intervention, he went down to 6.9. So he would be a guy if those numbers were like he did when he first came in, we would not have needed to put him on any kind of medication uh, at all. Um, and the only thing besides the uh, uh, he really struggled, he had to learn how to cook for himself. He had his own apartment. So he did really, really well with the team approach. And and uh, I was thrilled. Well, thanks for sharing, Bob. We, we love hearing those. No and uh, to your point, I think. You're able to do more because you have a team, and that's that's awesome for crossover members. Any anything else that you wanted to share that members should know about this journey that they're on? Sure, you know, again, we always want to know what worked before, and I found many many people with just sort of a staccato, you know, uh, pattern. They they find out there's a lot of anecdotal things going on out here. Uh, people recommending various, you know, name the diets, and and I can tell you, none of it is really sustainable. And I just think if people take a step back, understand, you know, food is medicine, medicine is food, Hippocrates had said, and I'm a firm believer in that. In terms of the, what an individual member can experience, it's, it's a nurturing place. We, we can kind of talk about things, look at what worked, look at what didn't work. But the first thing is it's journey. It's never something that changes overnight. And, and we're here to engage not for the short term, for the long term, right? So we explain 
and then we kind of move forward in their life journey and give them, you know, uh, advice that they can carry through. As an educator, all of us are really educators when you boil down. That's, that's right. That's right. Well, thank you so yeah. much. Um, really appreciate it. I'm sure our listeners have gained quite a bit of knowledge here. We'd like to get to know you a little bit better, Dr. Bob. Um, would it be okay sure. if I uh, asked you some rapid fire questions? I am ready. Okay, here we go. Question one, what are you currently watching or listening to? Sure. We just finished, blew through Ted Lasso. I, I think his positive <laughs> attitude about life and just the way he approaches things sort of reminds me of how we want to manage our, our uh, people and help them with their health. So I always think there's, uh, you know, we can win any battle if we just put our mind uh, straight at it. Brilliant. All right. All right. Um, so what's your guilty pleasure? Yeah, I um. You know, my grandfather told me a long, long time ago, God rest his soul, listen, don't don't pay someone to do something you could do yourself. And I was like, what does that mean? So, well, I, I do most of my home projects on my own. Um, and, and so we're kind of redoing uh, our house a bit in uh, sort of this rustic style. So I go on Pinterest and then I go to YouTube uh -oh. and I, they're a dangerous combo because the next place I go is Amazon to start buying stuff. Oh so, yeah. But they come out good. The projects come out really good. We're kind of happy and we're taking our time with it. But yeah, I just like being, I love anything mechanical that uh, I can figure out how to do over time. So that's yeah, fun. That's not, fun. That's not too guilty. That's yeah. fun. That's fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what's one thing you do every day to stay healthy? So now I've kind of taken it as I'm learning more and more about nutrition. I, I sort of have this full load smoothie I make in the morning uh, with, you know, berries, cherries, kale, uh, yogurt, some oat milk, a little bit of low fat milk, flaxseed, some cinnamon. And I crank that out and I drink that. And then lastly, on the activity side, you know, I've had a couple surgeries this year, which, which just had to happen. But you know what? I'm on the, I'm on the back uh, end of all that. And I'm looking forward to get back on my mountain bike and, uh, you know, the Peloton and just be more active as uh, spring slowly uh, marches towards us again. So, yeah. There you go. Get on the Peloton, Dr. Bob. You know. Gotta get on there. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. I so appreciate your time. Thanks for the great conversation. Oh, Dan, keep up the, the effort here. This is really a worthwhile and wonderful project. And uh, be glad to help out any way I can going forward. Absolutely. You know I'll reach out. Anyone 18 or over in the United States can be a Crossover Health member. At Crossover, you stay connected to a care team that works together and gets to know you over time. A doctor, a nurse, a mental health expert, a physical therapist, a chiropractor, a health coach, a fitness coach, and a care navigator. Go to crossoverhealth.com to join the healthcare revolution. If you like our podcast, please follow or subscribe and leave a review. If you have a topic you want us to explore, let us know on Facebook or Instagram at Crossover Health. Until next time, be well.